Well, hello and welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. Hey, Sim. Hello, hello. Are you so excited for today's episode? I am so excited for today's episode because we are talking about me. You. (laughs) That sounded really bad. I know. I'm genuinely quite excited to talk about, like, I guess my investing journey. So last week I interviewed you because, you know, who better to start off with with than um, someone who knows what they're doing. And yeah, I'm excited to share. I think I'm a little bit nervous and... But yeah, I think it'll be really fun and it'll be really insightful, I hope. Yeah. Well, I think you have nothing to be nervous about. We're all just sharing our journeys here, eh? No, I don't know. You're pretty judgmental. Absolutely not. (laughs) I'm like the least judgmental person ever. Let the record be shown that Sonia is the least judgmental person ever. I'm always like, no stress, no worries. Let's just jump straight into it. Before we jump into it. Hold on. I know you're really excited to hear, but tell me about your week. Tell me how you've been. Look, I just want to get straight into the nitty gritty. Um, My week was okay. Work's been okay. I think what you said a few episodes ago about how you're trying to reframe everything in terms of I get to do this has really helped my mindset this week because I'm not going to lie, Sim, it's been a bit of a hard week. Oh, fair enough. I think we all have those weeks and it's fun to try and reframe things because it's definitely made a difference for me. Mm. Do you know what I've been doing this week, Sonia? I have been watching New York apartment tours and I just have an itch. You've given me the itch. For those of you who don't know, which to be honest, I don't know how you would know. I've never talked about it before. But I am always talking about moving countries, traveling, leaving every second week. And I'm very like, I love where I live. I love my city. I love my suburb. I could probably live on the same street forever. <laughs> we laugh, but like, really, I could. It's a nice little very street. And sit that way. And now I've just been watching New York apartment tours. And the only thing stopping me is COVID and the pricing. Like, I was watching, like, a, you know how in New Zealand and a lot of countries when you rent, you pay, like, a bond and, like, a, a application fee, da-da-da. This girl, you're, you're smiling. I feel like you know what I'm going to say. This girl in New York, her and her three friends, the upfront cost for their apartment was $15,000 cash. I believe it. New York real estate is very unique. When I say real estate, I mean like even if you're renting because there's so many freaking fees and you're living in a shoebox really for 15 grand. Like no disrespect to her. It was a lovely place, but but it was quite like she walked into the kitchen. She was like, this is our kitchen. And in my head, I was like, oh, that's like a cute, neat use of space. Like it's quite small. And she was like, this is our kitchen. As you can see, it's quite roomy. And I was like, man, New York must have really skewed people's perception. But no, we actually do need to go. So let's get into it for real this time. For real, for real. So first off, I just want to talk about how you started your journey. Like what made you want to start investing? 
Oh, that's a good question. What made me want to get started? I think, so I have always been interested in the idea of making the most of all the opportunities I have. So my parents came to New Zealand when I was young. They didn't come from a lot and they made, I guess this is kind of like the general immigrant family story, right? Like they worked hard to get what they have. And in my head, I was like, they came from a very non-privileged background Mm. and they jumped like 20 hoops and achieved quite well for themselves from where they came from at least. And if I'm growing up in what I perceive as like a first world country with a lot of resources, with great education, no stress about like not being fed or having a roof over my head, And living in a time where the internet and information is so readily available, to me, I don't feel like I personally have an excuse to not make the most of every aspect of my life. And part of that is, I I like the idea of trying to do the best I can in every avenue of my life. And so investing is one of them. I want to be able to have options. If I want to be able to take a year off work or, you know, six months off work, I can Because while I love my work and I love my job, I know that one day I'm going to be older and I want to not have to rely on certain things to, you know, fall into place for me to live a life I want to live. Wow. I was not expecting that. There's something to be said about immigrant parents and the hard work they put in for their kids, eh? Yeah. I think, like, you see them work so hard. And I mean, everyone's story is different and everyone views it differently. But to me, I feel like they've done, like they went from like A to Z with no help. And I'm living quite a cushy life in comparison to them. So I don't feel like I have an excuse to not do as well. Mm. It's to all the immigrant parents out there doing the damn thing. Henderson. <laughs> So do you remember your first investment? How did that come about? I actually didn't remember it. So I before this, you know, episode, I did some homework and I went back and scrolled down all my transactions and found my first one. <laughs> and it was 500 New Zealand dollars. I had saved up 500 and I was like, okay, I'm ready. And I invested in the S&P 500 ETF, the Vanguard S&P 500, the code for it, if you like want to search it up or the ticker, sorry, is VOO. And yeah, it to me made sense because I was like my first transaction and I'm buying 500 companies. Mm. It's a pretty good place to start. It's a good place to start. Yeah. Mm. Is that because um, with your research and stuff, it was the most popular fund people were talking about? I think part of it was definitely to do with the fact that like it was quite a commonly discussed fund but for me what was important to me was it had to be a passive index fund that tracked an index it had to have low fees which vanguard has one of the lowest fees in the industry and it had to be very diverse and so i was weighing up between this and the total market index fund by vanguard which is all of the companies in the US stock market and those two are kind of compared like some people go VOO some people go VTI but yeah I I think for me the top 500 just made a little bit more sense and backed by the research that had been done 
not that you should make conclusions based on what's happened in the past, but BOO or the 500 top companies have tended to outperform the total market index funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the feeling after you deposited the 500? You know what? I actually do. I remember. So I don't know if you recall this, Sonia, but a few years ago when we did actually once talk about investing, the term investment portfolio, you're like, what? When? You just said something about like someone's investment or someone's portfolio. And I was like, wow, an investing portfolio. Like, I wonder what that looks like or how it works. And it was just this very mysterious thing. And I used to do art in high school and we had art portfolios, which was just like a clear file with all our artwork. And in my head, I imagined like a clear file with like, like a house on one page and an investment on the other page. And it was very visual. And so when I purchased my first index fund or just first investment, I was like, wow, I've created my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And this is the start. I'm doing the damn thing. You're doing the damn thing. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, I'm glad you remembered it because if you had to scroll back to find your transactions. <laughs> Moving forwards, do you think this is a question that you asked me and I am curious in terms of how you would answer this or your take on this. How easy or difficult was it for you to take the plunge and deposit the 500? I think for me, this is something I've learned about myself through this whole journey. I feel comfortable taking a lot of risk and I know that that is the case only because I have the privilege to say, well, if I lose this amount of money, my life is not going to be drastically affected. Like at the end of the day, like I go into investing knowing that there is a chance that things will not work out and for a temporary amount of time I might be low or my my portfolio might lose money just within the general cycle of things. So it wasn't hard for me to do and I think what was hard was getting over the hump that I had for a few years of, oh, like this is just not for me. I just am not clever enough to do it. But once I understood it and I could wrap my head around it, which in itself, you know, like it was it was difficult trying to navigate through all like the jargon and the information. But once I kind of got past all of that, I was like, oh, this is really simple. And so once I knew what I was doing and I went and took the plunge to invest, I had no fear because I was like, I know what I'm getting myself into. I understand the risk about it. I know what is likely to happen out of like, I know what the possible scenarios are. And so I think knowledge just gave me peace of mind. With all that being said, where would you put yourself on like what kind of investor are you? So if you like think about like a scale of one to 10, maybe 10 being like super risky, like, you know, investing in maybe commodities or that, that are like more out there and then zero or one being just like very conservative and just keeping everything in like an, an, a savings account. I think I'm probably like an eight. Mm-hmm. Like I think the only thing stopping me from being more risky is 
the fact that I'm trying to save a deposit for a house right now and therefore I don't want to put too much money into things that could jump up and down. But if that was not the case, it would probably be like a 9 or 10. So at the moment, are you solely in the stock market? So at the moment, I have a huge proportion and I've I've put it in a Hayek savings account and then I've got a portion still in the stock market and it within that all of that is shares so it's still somewhat risky but the percentage of it is a little bit less so to get into more of the facts and figures of things um, and I'm sure yeah (laughs) and I'm sure everyone's curious about this now moving on to the current state of your portfolio Yes. Where do you invest in at the moment? How does it work? How much money do you put into these investments? Just lay it all on us. Oh, okay. So currently right now, I, again, tried to prepare. I had a look at exactly where I'm at. So in terms of my shares portfolio, I am 100% in shares. I do not have bonds. Within my shares, 75% of them are in the index funds specifically just VOO so the S&P 500 and then 25% are individual companies and I split that between two companies Tesla and Amazon now I have more in Tesla now than Amazon and that 25% is just me taking on a little bit more risk Mm -hmm. but only 25% because that's currently how much I'm comfortable with Mm. because they do kind of fluctuate, especially Tesla. (laughs) You're laughing. And, yeah, I mean, like, I remember – oh, I have a story. So my first share was the S&P 500 Index Fund by Vanguard. My second ever purchase besides my index fund was Amazon. So I bought a bit of an Amazon share. And when I say a bit, I mean that I didn't buy the full share because it was, like, $2,000. I put in – 100 New Zealand dollars which was like 0.04% of the share and I put it in and then I looked at the stock market and it dropped by like two dollars three dollars and I was like oh no I've made a mistake and I sold it that same time at a loss. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. 
And this is why I don't judge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're in no position to judge. <laughs> at the end of the day, like, and you, and the thing is, like, I knew the whole concept behind, like, you know, ride it out, let it go up and down. If you leave it in for long enough, a few years, you know, you'll be sussed. But I was like, I can't bear the fact that, like, I've lost $4, so I sold it. <laughs> and then I was like, no, what are your principles? So then I went and bought it. <laughs> which was like like 10 12 dollars in brokerage fees just like that oh my god for those that don't know every time you buy or sell a share with some companies you get charged a fee so just say like three us dollars so yeah that was like nine us dollars or or no it wasn't nine because this was before it was (laughs) <laughs> 24 US dollars. Oh, look, the power of hindsight, eh? It's 2020, I tell you. And then to answer your question about how much I invest, so I, oh, I actually need to write this down. So I invest, and this is split between my investing account and what I've put into high interest savings account. If I wasn't buying a house, this would all just be in my investing account. So it's about, 2900 a month mm-hmm. and then from that only 500 is currently going into the stock market on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and then I also have my two businesses which most if not all profit just goes into the stock market too so I've got sort of like a baseline of about 500 a month and then every now and again it might just be like a grand or like two grand mm-hmm. or $700 and so that kind of varies and then I just dollar cost average that into my monthly budget Mm. and at this stage is it the same companies you outlined in the answer before or do you try to research to figure out what something new you could invest in so I am currently quite happy with just investing in the two that I have because I personally and this is definitely not investing advice and I really hope that no one goes away and goes okay I'm going to do the same thing because at the end of the day there's always going to be risk involved but yeah I'm currently just continuing to invest in these two companies and also majorly in the um, index funds that I have. And you have you set that into that $500 as a baseline is that an auto invest so you don't have to manually put it in? No I manually do it. I think sometimes I find that, oh, like this week, or sorry, this month, like a little bit of Tesla, you know, Tesla's a little bit cheaper than I expected it to be. So rather than putting like maybe equal amounts in Tesla and Amazon, I might put more in Tesla that week. So I like Mm -hmm. to sort of have more control and especially more with recent times. I don't think I've been Mm -hmm. as, I haven't quite been dollar cost averaging with the whole pandemic, I've been trying to, but every now and again, I'll be like, oh, a huge drop. Like anytime there's a drop, I'll buy more. So what I do is I keep mm-hmm. quite a bit of cash in my investing account. So it'll be like 90% invested and then 10% cash. And then do you do that too? I do that too. Hey. I do that thing where you put... A little bit, like you leave a little bit in your account. I do not manually do it. 
and, and yes, investor. <laughs> yeah, you. I think you just like it done, sorted. You mentioned that you manually put in every month, and you like doing that. Do you have something like you dedicate a time every fortnight or a month to look over your finances? I don't know how healthy this is, but every morning I wake up, and before I get out of bed, I check my investment portfolio. (laughs) And I don't think it is a good habit, and it's gotten to the point where I wake up and I get like a Siri suggestion, and it's just like the link to my investment portfolio because it's like an online link. And I'm like, oh, like once my phone starts telling me to do something, that's when I know I'm doing it too much. But I don't ever react to it in the sense I never like look at it, get upset and then sell it or or change it. But I just like keeping <laughs> track of it. And I also check the markets every morning when I wake up, which again, I don't think that's very healthy. And then I check Instagram and I check the news. But yeah. So that's I think that's a okay. What you're seeing on a daily basis with the stock market and your investments, like as long as you're not having the reaction to it. Don't lie to me, but does it affect your day if it's gone down or? No, it doesn't. See? There we go. I have a good level of control because at the end of the day, obviously I've been there and I've done that. And not too long ago, like a couple of days ago with just like pre the US elections, it went down quite a bit. Yeah. Because I solely invest in the US stock market and so... It just, yeah, it was it was quite, like, I went into, like, overall negatives, which I've never had before. So that was probably like a, oh, that sucks, but I just have such trust in the sense that if I leave my money in there long term and I'm not going to touch it over time, the fluctuations will weather the storm. Mm. That's so interesting. I feel like our habits with our money really tell to our personality as well. Do you think I just deal with it? When I, have- I think it's interesting that we're so different. It's but nice. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then, but we also see like the value in a lot of things that we do. But our methodology is just a pole opposite. And I think what I hope this like shows to all our listeners is that there really isn't no right or wrong way of going about it and you can Mm -hmm. definitely by all means follow like a a set path but don't be afraid to change things up like if one thing works for you but something else doesn't feel free to customize it the way that we are yeah and then in terms of generally like financials I do what you do and it's funny because we never talked about this but we both just ended up doing this where at the end of every month I sit down and I just go through all my finances. So I have an app that I use to track every expense. So every time I go buy a coffee or like go to my groceries, I like punch in how much I've spent, what day I spent it on, like a little note, like grocery or fuel or whatever. And then at the end of the month, I review it and I go, I, I used to keep it to a budget where I was like, okay, like $100 for grocery a week or, or like $70 for groceries a week. And then I didn't find it too productive. So what I've started to do is be more holistic and be like, okay, I spent a bit more than I would have expected on groceries this week or this month. Next month, let's just try to 
cap that a bit better or keep that more front of mind. So, yeah. What app do you use? It's called Spendy. And I just downloaded that. Did you? But you have to pay for it to automatically link to your see, thing, don't you? See, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but what you can do is you can, and I'm making quotation marks here, refer a friend and you get six months of free Spendy. So I just referred my other email and then created a new account from that. And I've got, yeah, every six months I just... I know what I'm doing after this podcast. <laughs> you do. I don't know if it's still six months. It might be like a month now. But in saying that, I don't use the premium feature. I manually put it in because the premium right. one automatically takes like your bank account. Like just say you buy something from like the warehouse and then it'll just like come up as like shopping. But because it's, it's automatic, mm-hmm. sometimes it gets it wrong and you still spend that time reorganizing the categories. So it like oh, right. tags them wrong. So you might buy like coffee and it accidentally might tag as like groceries. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I manually do it and the manual one's for free. And then it gives me this beautiful chart at the end and I love it. So um, looking to the future, uh, you've mentioned a few times that if you weren't looking to buy a property, your strategy would be a little bit different. Like I'd really like us, if you don't mind, to dive a little bit into your goals at the moment and how you adjusted your finances to that. So a house. Yeah, of course. So what I did at the start of this year is I sat down, I made a Google Doc, and so I wrote down all my goals. And so I've had from the start quite a set path about what I want to do and where I want to go. And I think when it comes to investing in the stock market like it's something I will probably definitely do forever as part of my like retirement plan but I also want to use it to shift my stock portfolio investment to my real estate portfolio investment and that's step one at this stage because right now I need a place to live so why not just buy a house seems like a good start Mm -hmm. and yeah that's really exciting. I think we've talked about houses and just real estate in general a lot when we've been together that I've actually started like as I'm driving through suburbs and I'm looking at a house, I'm like, hmm, wonder how how much that house is. Like, I wonder how much that would go for. <laughs> it's so contagious. I have brought my flatmate to the dark side as well. Like, we'll both, she'll be like, oh my God, Simran, like you have done this to me. Now I'm always just on trade me looking at homes in Auckland. Yeah, trade me properties, looking at different suburbs. Sim, I want to do a quick fire round where I just ask you questions Oh, and you need to keep your answers brief. (laughs) Are you ready for this? I did not know this was coming. I am so ready. Guys, I didn't let her look at any of these questions. (laughs) She did the same to me, so it was only fair. <laughs> okay, to start off with, which investment are you most proud of? Oh, my God. So how many words can I say? I'm so blessed. Two sentences is max. Two sentences. I bought the dip without realizing it in March, which I'm proud of, but there was no work involved in that. It was luck. Cool. What is your biggest investment so far? She looks so stressed. This is really naughty, but Tesla was having something that was coming up and I was like, oh, like historically, oh, this is too many words. Historically, it 
jumps up after this thing happens. I think it was the stock split. So I put in $3,000 or $4,000 and then it created a grand the next day mm-hmm. and I pulled it out. So that was a little bit of a day trading sort of experience. But yeah. I think I might know the answer to this one, but what's an investment that has taught you the biggest lesson? Obviously, the Amazon share that I bought and then sold and then bought again within a space of like three hours. And it taught me that, you know what, emotions are more powerful than you think, even though you know you're not meant to, but we are humans. Would you couple that with a regret? Because my next question was going to be, is there anything in your journey so far that you regret? No, I think I just don't regret a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And the time, whatever choice I make is the choice I make with all the information, like the best information I had at that time, given the circumstances. So, no. That's it for a quick fire round. That was so enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> the sheer panic that came across your face when I said quick fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, to be young and spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> is there any... This is not a quick fire question, so we can go into it deep, as deeply as you would want to go. But if you were to give someone one piece of advice and they haven't started their journey yet, what would that piece of advice be? It would be that before you write yourself off and say, oh, this is too hard for me, not just in investing, but in anything, but in mm-hmm. particular investing, like if you haven't started investing yet and you're just like, it, I just... I can't or I'm not smart enough or whatever is holding me back is holding me back. I think we're too quick to say no to ourselves. And that's what I did for a very long time. The first time someone ever talked to me about investing was six years ago and they told me the story of their friend. And without even giving myself a chance, I was like, oh, I couldn't. They were saying something like, oh, you know, they invested a lot in the stock market, da, da, da. And I was like, who taught them? Or like, where did they learn it? And they were like, oh, like, I think their dad works in like finance. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't have access to that. It's not for me. I couldn't do it. And I think that's just not fair on myself. And I think we as humans in general just tend and maybe even I wouldn't say it's just a female thing, but I think a lot of us when it comes to things we're not aware of, we if we don't have ourselves fully wrapped around it, we just don't think we could. So if there was one thing I could give to someone else was believe in your ability to do better than you think you can. That's really great advice and something people can take with them beyond investing. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, Sim. I really think that anyone who is listening to this, no matter where they are in their journey, would have taken something from that. I think we're taking a great step in having money not be such a taboo to talk about. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. What do you say, Sim? I think so. I think this has been very productive, very fun. Very interesting. Thank you for leading with a little bit of vulnerability there. You know, that's me. That's what I do. (laughs) Well, um, until next Tuesday, team. Before we head off, of course, our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That 
and best exist for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.